Chapter 50, Feminist Economics, Antonella Piccio, from the Well-Be Lab, spin-off of the University of Modena and Regio Emilia. Feminist economics introduces a shift of perspective in the way we see the economy. This new perspective is set by seeing women as autonomous subjects, not definable on the basis of the male norm that has transformed sexual difference into social inferiority. The feminist standpoint, free of a reductive and distortive male bias in brackets Elson 1998, allows for a deeper and broader insight into the economy. It is deeper because women's experimental knowledge leads us closer to the complexity of real life and broader because it extends economic analysis to domestic non-market activities. The power to change perspective is rooted in the international feminist movement of the late 1960s and early 1970s. At that time, as now, the feminist political wave has concentrated on women's resistance against the use of their bodies as a means of production and reproduction on the part of the state and the church and of men's control of them. In brackets, Della Costa and James, 1972. Feminist economic thought is a rapidly expanding field of studies, a heterogeneous and pragmatic effort open to different approaches, paradigms and empirical methods. The main areas of research and debate are, first, the sex disaggregation of economic data to highlight overlooked persistent forms of gender inequalities and their impact on labor markets, development processes, trade and public policy. Second, the extension of micro and macroeconomic dimensions to non-market activities. Third, the position of social dimensions in economic analysis and policy. Fourth, the feminist critique of current mainstream and heterodox theories for their methodological blindness to the social reproduction of human beings. A very important academic institution of the community is IAFFE, in brackets International Association for Feminist Economics, which publishes the journal Feminist Economics. According to my feminist analysis, economic systems are characterized by specific relationships between the production of means and the social reproduction of people. Production and reproduction relationships are grounded on the division of productive and reproductive labor, the distribution of income and resources, and sex and class power relationships, in brackets, Pichu in 1992. The capitalist system is based on a specific structure of historical processes, production of commodities, market exchange, distribution of income and, last but not least, social reproduction of the population. These processes are all connected in a circular flow which is not automatically sustainable and it adapts through recurrent crises. The capitalist system is characterized by a wage-labor market, i.e. by the buying and selling of the capability to work in brackets labor force, which is treated as a commodity in brackets see commodification. 
classical political economists, in brackets Smith, Ricardo and Marx, defined wages as the normal cost of the conventional necessaries that enabled the laboring population to work and reproduce their race, in brackets, the term they used. Actually, in a capitalist context, the lives of workers become means of production that are to be kept for the sake of profit within the limits of efficiency and social control. This process of transforming lives into capital is a moral and political battlefield that makes the link between economics and ethics indissoluble and sex and class conflict endemic in capitalism. Capitalism is a dangerous and inherently destructive system. On the whole, it is unsustainable precisely because of the conflict between profit and the well-being of the laboring population and the exploitation of the environment in order to hide real costs of production and discharge social responsibilities. Economic theories are not neutral or innocent with regard to the functioning of the system of provision. The main economic paradigms differ when it comes to the definition of profit, capital, wages and distribution of incomes. In particular, the way the social reproduction of the laboring population is connected to other structural processes entails major paradigmatic differences. Given that in classical political economy, profit is defined as a residuum between production and whatever goes to the laboring population under any title in brackets wages, public services and transfers, and that the process of distribution of the surplus is explained on the basis of class power relationships, the process of reproduction of the laboring population falls at the center of the analysis of value and distribution and at the core of structural conflict. In the present context of growing insecurity, social inequality, fears of new wars and ongoing destruction of the environment, the sentiment of the degrowth critique even more so, the varied experiences of local convivial living are appealing and, what is more, are capable of producing more humane living conditions at the local level. Yet, from a feminist perspective, they have some limitations. Macrofeminist economics and the degrowth perspective differ in the way they order and see structural processes and in the attention they give to the distribution between profit and subsistence of the, in brackets, laboring population. The degrowth perspective dwells extensively on production and consumption, giving subsistence economy a mythical role but it does not pay enough attention to the sex and class body politics of social reproduction in the capitalist context we live in. At the micro level, the provision of goods and services for direct use may take into account the need to live a healthy, sociable, just life, but at the macro level, the degrowth narrative does not challenge the structure of capitalism. The current crisis shows that there is a small group of financial profiteers endowed with the power to rule public expenditure, i.e. to decide on the suffering of the bodies and minds of the population. Any sensible person should be outraged by such developments 
but a mere moral reproach aimed at the ways we produce and consume is equally unsatisfactory. The real challenge is to set out and diffuse the structural forces at the root of such destructive and alienating dynamics. In order to understand the material and moral features of the capitalist system, we need theories that grasp its structure and its dynamics. The classical surplus approach offers powerful tools to this end. Not only does this approach show surplus to be the leading motive of production, in conflict with the sustainable well-being of the laboring population, but it shows also that the distribution between wages and brackets, social wages included, and profit in brackets plus rent, is the result of a political institutional confrontation based on unequal class and sex power relationships, in brackets PGO 1992. Once the politics of distribution are made clear and real living conditions emerge as crucial and at the heart of the social conflict, the so-called objective constraints that condemn so many people to poverty and social exclusion and women to more and more unpaid labour, will lose their grasp once the politics of distribution are made clear and real living conditions emerge as a crucial and at the heart of the social conflict the so-called objective constraints that condemn so many people to poverty and social exclusion, and women to more and more unpaid labour, will lose their grip. The use of social reproduction as capital and as a reason to control women's bodies and agency could also explain the long history of violence exercised against women since the beginning of capitalism. In brackets, Federici, 2004. The more recent analytical tools of the capability approach developed by Amasya Sen and Martha Nussbaum can enrich the classical surplus approach. They expand the concept of standards of living. No more a basket of commodities, but a multidimensional set of individual functions that defines effective well-being within a space of multiple capabilities. The freedom to compose our lives according to our values as autonomous individuals embodied and embedded in social context becomes a fundamental dimension of a good life. Drawing from the toolbox of the surplus and the capability approaches, the feminist perspective on women's experience on what it really means to be embodied and embedded in social context proposes a reproductive extended macroeconomic approach, in brackets pitch year 2003, as a basis for a transformative care economy. The degrowth perspective is not broad enough to include the critique of the macrodynamics of the present capitalist system and not deep enough to reveal the complexity of real lives and the use of women's activities to make it sustainable. It thus shares the general blindness which dumps any carrying reproductive responsibility onto the domestic space and this means, among other things, that human vulnerability, including the vulnerability of adult males, remains a women's issue. References The Power of Women and the Subversion of the Community by Della Costa and James, 1972 
The economic, the political and the domestic, businesses, states and households in the organization of production, written by Ellison, 1998. Caliban and the Witch, Women, the Body and Primitive Accumulation, by Federici, 2004. Social Reproduction, the Political Economy of the Labor Market, by Picciu, 1992. An extended macroeconomic approach in Unpaid Work and the Economy, a gender perspective on standards of living, also written by Piccio, 2003.